0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for a match preview. Newcastle head back down to London this weekend to face Brentford in the Premier League. course, on the back of that 1-1 draw with West Ham. And they remain unbeaten in 2022 in the league. It's been a brilliant few weeks for Newcastle United. What we're going to do though, John, we're going to start with the form of another survival rival. <laughs> and that is Burnley. And it seems to switch team team every couple of weeks where you say oh they're definitely down and then you say oh I wish they'd start stop winning as a neutral you know who hasn't got a team in this fight for survival it must be a great watch because it's so tight down the bottom and this
1: week we're talking about Burnley looking like the team who, who yeah. might survive I'm not there to uh, entertain the rest of the country by a great battle at the bottom it shreds my nerves I'm there for Newcastle to survive and then we'll look at the rest but yes i mean to be truthful burnley are just threatening to do what we've just done we won three on the trot that must have absolutely killed the other teams down the bottom and i find them a stubborn side you know burnley they they, they just don't know when to go away and um, the net they don't lay in a lot of goals and when you're down the bottom that mightn't be attractive to watch But it always gives you a platform to get some sort of result. And they've suddenly found a way of scoring. And, um, I mean, the results are big time too. We've gone to Brighton, who were in superb form, and win 3-0. And in Spurs, I always worried about that one because... Spurs, they produced a great result of Man City because Kane wanted to prove to Pep how good he is. Uh, Then they went back to being sudden softies at Burnley and I always felt that they could do that. Um, And it was a terrific result for for Burnley, Um, both of them. But having said that, fear ye not, my friends, I, I think we will still be all right because if you accept it Watford and Norwich will probably go down. There's two. You're looking for one more. And I think, forgetting about Burnley for the moment, I think that one more can come from either Brentford. If we beat Brentford this weekend, they're in the mire already, but they would be deep in the mire. We would be above them. And the other ones lead, who so we've let in 56 goals in what? 20 odd games I mean it's horrendous it makes our defence look watertight the defence were hard before Eddie put it right Um, so you know I've got a great feeling that it doesn't have to be Burnley that keeps us up it could well and we haven't mentioned Everton, who are right in it but I've got a feeling they'll get out only because if they're potentially at home with the crowd behind them, they get results at home, horrendous on the on the road. But I would think that we would probably end up finishing above both Brentford and Leeds. Let's look at the league table then. We'll start with
0: Brentford in 14th place. They've got 24 points from 26. Then it's Leeds with 23 points from 25. Everton, 22 points from 23 games. Then it's Newcastle, 22 points from 24 games. Then you're into the relegation zone. Burnley, 20 points, 23 games. Watford, 18, 25. And Norwich, 17 and 25. It's very tight down there. And I think, as you mentioned there, beating Brentford this Saturday, you, I mean, that drags them. I mean, they're already into the mix. So that drags them right down there. There'll be low on confidence. And it was interesting what Thomas Frank said after the game against Arsenal. Obviously, Brentford beating in that game. He said that... He thinks the teams below Brentford would rather be in Brentford's position with the
1: points on the board. Well, he's going to say that he's got a, he can't throw in the towel, and um, he's right in as much as the more points you've got, you, you would want to be in that position. But w- there's a falsehood about Brentford's position because they have uh, they failed to win in their last seven games, six defeats and one draw. They've taken one point out of the last twenty-one and got knocked out of the fa cup during that period so they're hurtling downwards at a rapid rate knots and nobody would want to be in their position with that sort of current form they and if newcastle step on the gas and make that even worse by another three points then they're in, remember they've just come up and they haven't been up for 74 years and they might just find, they did what can happen very easily get off to an absolute flyer, they won against Arsenal on the opening day they, they, they went to Wolves, they drew at Liverpool they, they got good early results when enthusiasm and emotion and the crowd and everybody took everything before them They've found their level now and and I think they're in trouble. And I also think Leeds are in trouble because I think the Bielsa factor is being exposed. He is wonderful in as much as he goes into a club, he turns ordinary players temporarily into extremely good players, he gets them hugely fit, The press all over the place, they run people to death, they play with the freedom because they're not scared to let in goals because they'll score goals and that works but there's a reason why at club level he never stays at a club longer than a couple of years this is the longest he's been at a club he managed argentina for a lot a long time but that's a different kettle of fish international football you're not playing every week he doesn't at this level and He's never won anything at, at this level either. If you take the top championship, he brought Leeds up. Uh, and I'm not underplaying him. He is a, an exceptional coach, but he knows what he does. He knows it comes at a price. He knows the club, the, his teams get found out eventually. And sometimes you've got to move on because the players just get physically and mentally exhausted with it. And I've got a feeling that... Leeds could go at the end of the season and I think Bielsa could well go at the end of the season from Leeds as well.
0: Speaking after Leeds' 6-0 defeat to Liverpool, Bielsa said, we are fighting relegation. Of course, it worries me. How is it not going to? It's a stark contrast to, I suppose, where Eddie Howe speaking at the moment because Newcastle have got these wins and I, and I guess that's the the caveat you have to throw in. You know. Leeds at the moment look like they're only falling one way but we've mentioned just five minutes ago that last month it was another side and you know it keeps yeah. changing it, teams are only one or two ways, wins away from you know it looking a lot more sunny when you get up in the morning
1: without a shadow of a doubt and that happened to newcastle and it's probably happening to burnley right now but for a long time there hasn't been any sun in the morning for either brentford or for leeds you know they're, they're, they're and once you get on a regular slide a constant slide it's hard to step off that slippery slope and start climbing again and it becomes subconscious it becomes in the dna or here we go again and um i think the two teams in big trouble at the moment are leeds and are brentford although you can't excuse yourself from the Everton situation and say that they're not in it because they're very much in it and um Lampard is panicking. The thing that's gonna keep them alive if anything does is is their home record. And of course we've got to go there shortly, haven't we?
0: We've been talking there about the good form of Burnley, you know, previously it's been the good form of of Norwich as an upturn in in, in, in Wafford's form. Um you get the feeling, though, under Eddie how his message will be to the players and, and probably to to the fans as well. We focus on us. We focus on Newcastle sure, United. It doesn't matter what the teams below us are doing because Burnley could go on and win the next five, six games. But if we also do that, then it it, it matters little you know, what Burnley do in that time because we've continued
1: this good... Run absolutely. It's the only way to do it all is remember, if we go back far enough, Joe Harvey. When we first got into Europe... First season in Europe, what do we do? We'll win the we we'll win the cup. And whenever we looked at the other teams and you could get fearful because Feyenoord had a huge history, Uspez does had a huge history. Glasgow Rangers in those days had a huge history. Uh, you could scare yourself to death. Joe used to say, Never worry about them. If we get our house in order, they've they've got things to worry about with us. Let, his, let us do it and, and the rest will take care of itself <laughs> and, and I think Eddie's that way Don't look too much in, You can't help but look at results For goodness sake it, it, it's, it's what's happening around you But don't dwell on that situation Dwell on what you can do And if Newcastle continue to pick up points They're unbeaten in the last six league games They've got 12 points out the, out of 18 They've got 10 out the last 12 with three wins in a row. If they continue that sort of form, we will be all right. It doesn't matter which one of the other five, which three of the other five go down. We aren't concerned about that. We will be okay if we do our own business, and we've got to be one-eyed and tunnel-visioned about that. And the coincidence that on this day in 1989,
0: Joe Harvey did, unfortunately, pass away age 71. Mm. Um we have a podcast documentary on Joe's career. Uh, Joe, the greatest servant. Gibbo is involved in that. Bob Moncair, Malcolm McDonald, Frank Clark, Joe's son, Ken, lots of other people as well. Just sharing insight into what made Joe such a, not only a great manager, but a great leader on the pitch as an FA Cup winning captain and a great man as well off the pitch John Anderson's involved and plenty of other big names. So, do search that on your podcast provider, and I'll pop the link into the podcast notes. A, a great man, and you cast casting out a legend. And, John, I, I we're going to digress a little bit, but if one man deserved a statue
1: outside St. James's Park, would it be Joe oh, Harvey? I mean, uh, yeah, you wonder uh, what qualifies you for a statue, because if you actually had to qualify, how do you do better than Joe Harvey? 51. Cup winning skipper, fifty two. Cup winning skipper, fifty five. Coach. Uh, then you come into the, him as a manager, bringing Newcastle up as second division champions, uh, winning the U uh, the First Cup, the only European trophy we've ever had. Eleven years, no relegations, win the Anglo Italian get to the FA Cup final. I mean, you can't beat that. And with the utmost respect, and I, I adore Bobby Robson because he, he was a dear, dear friend of mine. But if it's a matter if what a lot of people have said in the past in football, put your medals on the table, Joe Harvey's Newcastle United medals are above Bobby Robson, they're above Kevin Keegan, they're above virtually everybody. I mean... Yeah, I whispered, but he's won more at Newcastle United than Alan Shearer did. Uh, but there isn't a statue, and there is a plaque. And the only reason there's a plaque is because the Fairs Club, which are Newcastle United supporters of a certain age, i.e., they were around when the first Cup was happening, uh, clubbed together and asked permission to be able to put this plaque on the side of St James's Park. But mm, nothing to do with the club. This is the old club, of course, apart from giving permission for that to happen. And otherwise, there wouldn't be a thing to Joe Harvey on St James's, which is, you know, amazing, really.
0: Mm, Frank Clark gives a really interesting answer when I ask him about a statue. Do head over and listen to that podcast documentary. We're very proud of it here at Chronicle Live. Um, Newcastle, the Drew 1-1 with West Ham... West Ham obviously chasing top four football. They want Champions League football next season. They're up there, as I've said in previous episodes, on merit. They deserve to be up there. David Moyes has done a a great job. Obviously, there was the news that Kieran Trippier was out for the foreseeable. You then had news, Jarryoman Kier, who was the the replacement in many people's eyes for Trippier. Oh, he would have been, yes. Wasn't going to feature. You then had, in the hours leading up to kick-off, Alan saint Maximum was, was missing, uh, picked up a knock after being kicked from every direction against Aston Villa. So a lot of things that you know could
1: have dampened the mood going into the game. Very much. And you have uh, Callum Wilson, of course, uh, who we tend to forget because he's been out for a little while. Mm. But he's still our top scorer. Yeah. So we're without Callum Wilson, we're without Trippier, and we're without some maximum, possibly our three biggest hitters in the team didn't play in that game. And yet for me, That performance was as good as anything we've done this season. It was as good for me as the 3-1 victory over Everton in terms of performance, not result, obviously, but in terms of performance, because it was against better opposition as well and without three key players. I think that's as good as we've done this season. Only little cherry that wasn't on the top of the cake was three points. It gives you a
0: little bit of hope that they can deal with whatever's thrown at them. Now, obviously, they've had a deal with Callum Wilson, and they've gone out and bought Chris Wooden Okay, he's not firing, but you know, you look elsewhere and you think Alan St. Maxim. Even with Callum Wilson on the pitch, Alan St. Maxim, you would say was still the the big threat. You know, the way he turns defenders, so you can you can kind of replace Callum Wilson easier in many ways than you can Alan St. Maxim, I think, in the, the eyes of many. But Newcastle, you know, they stood up to that challenge and I think it, it was a good sign because we all know the stats that when Alan St Maximum doesn't play, Newcastle tend to lose more often than not. But the players who were tasked with replacing him, you know, bringing the threat, they did a good job and there's a good platform to build on and hopefully, he'll probably be back for,
1: for Saturday all being well. Hopefully, because he does bring an obvious threat with him and because you survive once doesn't mean you'll survive time after time after time if you've got to. Um... Yeah, I mean the amazing thing for me, and I—we've all been very, very grateful for January and for the five signings we've got because a huge difference has been made. Burn is, is is terrific at the centre of the defence. Target uh, has done terrifically well for us. We all know about Trippier. Uh, we're waiting for uh, Brazilian Bruno to. Uh, get his opportunity and we're waiting for chris wood to, to break his duck but for me as much staggering in the biggest feather in eddie howe's cap is the changes he has put in individuals who i was on the verge of writing off and i'm certain a lot of newcastle united fans were when i think of joe linton as a non-scoring number nine at newcastle last season or the season before uh, and and think of the impact he has now in midfield and the confidence and the it's wonderful when i think of fraser who i think in his first season here body language did looked as if he hardly cared and now he runs his socks off he is a workaholic when i look at shaw who was a, a walking mistake most of the time he is picked repeatedly time and time and time again by eddie howe above and beyond all the other central defenders who were already there these people look like players now and they didn't look like players before and to to get a tune out of some of the old fiddles John Joe Shelby how much has he come on and, 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 to get a, a tune out of these and be able to put them in an orchestra and sound beautiful I think is staggering is, is as staggering as plucking Byrne from Brighton and plucking Trippier from Atletico Madrid it's quite amazing for me Let's talk about some of the players who
0: could return We mentioned Alan Max from there So I assume, John, in your start eleven, If St Maxim
1: is fit, he'll be straight back in And replace oh, Jacob Murphy Without a shadow of doubt I mean, he's got to be fit um, But, yes and, and we know that Eddie Howe Doesn't normally like to change I was going to say a winning team But West Ham felt like a winning yeah. team And it is a winning team Because before that, it won three on the top But you, you don't have a big hitter like him and stick him on the bench, which means you only might get 20 minutes when you need 90 minutes out of him. He would come in for Murphy automatically, I would think, yes. And if Jario Mankiw is back, he
0: was pictured in training on Wednesday, so it looks like he he should be in contention. Does he come in for Emil Kraft, or do you think Kraft's done enough?
1: If he's he's fully fit, I would bring him in for Kraft without a shadow of doubt because Kraft can make mistakes. Uh, and it was a stupid foul to give away the free kick from which they scored especially when you remember their history of free kicks no one has scored more no side has scored more goals in dead ball situations outside of the top two Manchester City and um, Liverpool so what do we do? we give away free kicks in positions where the ball's just knocked in boom, thank you very much, 1-0 it was a big, albeit the, the foul was stupid and was down to him, but we didn't mark up great on the free kick in the centre of the defence either. But you don't do that. And no, I think Kraft is our third choice right back. Trippier, then Manquillo, then him. So if you can get Manquillo, you do. Into the centre of defence, Jamal LaSalle's picture
0: training as well. Does he return in place of, I would assume, Fabian shares the only viable option, because you're not dropping down Burn after the last few
1: performances, no, you're are not. You? No, you're not. No, he doesn't come back. In my book, uh, Shaw has done enough, and I, even I'm surprised to say this, not that I meant I was a La Sales fan, but, you know, Shaw has h- produced mistakes regularly in the way that Kraft has. But no, I would make only two changes, which uh, would be Manquillo and all on the Holland guy's been fit Manquilla for Kraft and, and some maximum for Murphy. Uh, I wouldn't make the other change which might be asked about, and that is bringing Bruno in from the start. because I wasn't even going to bother because I think
0: we've covered that enough in the last few weeks. Yeah. I think the answer would just be the same. You, you, I can't see how you can drop any one of those three Willick, Shelby, Joe Linton. As we mentioned last week, I mean, I, what, what was actually funny because last week when we spoke on the preview podcast, we both said that it would be between Shelby and Willick. And you said, John, you think it would probably be Willick, I think you said, who would drop out. He then goes and scores. So if that is the way Eddie Howe was thinking, he's then looking at it. I mean, his mind must be scrambled because he's thinking he's just gone and scored a goal.
1: He he, he didn't just score. He was magnificent. Yeah, he was excellent. He, He played absolutely brilliantly. It's just, you know his love long-term love of shelby and joe linton so you think they aren't going to get dropped which puts willet who's only just come back in the side a a few matches back more vulnerable but when he produces a performance like that I mean, there's no way you can start Bruno. We love Bruno, we're, we're desperate to see exactly what he brings to the table. He's cost a fortune. He will be as frustrated as possible to be. But you can't drop any of those three at Brentford. We, they'll, he'll wait and, Eddie will wait until we lose a game and then he'll bring Bruno in and that'll be after we've played Chelsea. What'll
0: be really interesting, and we're, we're probably getting a bit into the future here, but when Bruno does come in, it's pretty, either, whoever drops out is probably not going to drop out because they've done anything wrong or maybe a lack of form. You know, maybe it's just going to be a kind of a move that strengthens the midfield in the eyes of Eddie Howe. But Bruno's going to have to put in a heck of a performance, isn't he? Because he knows he's got a couple of people waiting behind
1: him to to jump straight back in. Absolutely. I mean, he was signed as the big hitter of the whole team, and we'll build a team around Bruno. And he was the signing of January in terms of. The amount of money he cost, Trippier was the real signing, but the amount of money it cost. Uh, and it's, it's going to, it's, in, I mean, when you think about it, at the beginning of the season, when Steve Bruce was here and everything, we were complaining about our midfield. Joe Linton was available Shelby was available, Willock was available, was saying, this midfield, we've got to buy a midfield like, player in January. Joe
0: Linton in midfield wasn't even an, an option, was it, back then? Well,
1: if you go back to uh, Bruce's side, no, not at all. But, I mean, even coming up to just before the window with Eddie in, we're saying, we've got to strengthen in midfield, mind, and then we did. And then the guy can't get a start. But, I mean, isn't that lovely? Are you surprised at how the, the three
0: have stepped up?
1: I'm surprised that they've stepped up simultaneously like all together um, but as I was saying early on and what really surprises me about this Newcastle side is not the Burns good with at Brighton, not the Trippier's good he won La Liga and he played with England in a, in a final um, you know it's not the targets good because I can't believe Asun really needed a left back uh, that isn't the the surprise, the surprise is the tune we're now getting out to some of these players that were here, that were getting dogs abuse from fans and from people like myself, and they're producing consistent performances. That's the key there, isn't it, consistent, consistent performances. Um, Kevin
0: Trippier obviously injured, he was on BBC Five Live on Wednesday night, and he's Eddie Howe also provided an insight into how Trippier is going to be away from the pitch. And Trippier wants to be involved. You know, he wants to still have that influence. That's just uh, just a sign of a really good leader, isn't it? You know, he's going to be missing five, six, however many games, but he wants to make his, his voice heard.
1: Yeah, that that's one of his great, great strengths, of which there is so many. But we've seen that and we've said, regardless of whether he has the armband or not, he is a Newcastle leader, he is a Newcastle skipper. And that's not having a puppetless sales. it's just the way he plays. And, and I've always believed you need several leaders all over the park to be successful as a team. You don't just need one leader. Bob Moncour was the best skipper Newcastle had in those days But he wasn't the only skipper With Supermac in the side With Funky Clark in the side uh, There were so many other people With massive influences And that's needed And Trippier is very much one of them In good aim Dan Byrne Even just by example on the field Is an absolute leader At the centre of the action Throwing hand grenades I- I'm wondering
0: which Brentford player he's going to start a fight with this this Saturday because he he's not afraid of getting
1: his head stuck in is he Well I, I think he just likes to take shirts home as a souvenir yeah. like he just rips them off the back and and, uh, and takes them home and it's just nice to see that bit of
0: fight I mentioned it on on a podcast earlier this week with Sam Mulliner from Newcastle Fans TV you can go back and listen to that episode and we we were just talking about that fight that Dan Burns brought to this side and Of course it's just nice to see someone you know Putting the head there where it hurts, you know, it's no disrespect to the other players, but also just carrying that bit of nastiness about them, you know, of you know that's
1: what, you know, that nasty streak. He's built he's built a career on that, and, and that's what you need in a central defender. He's built a career on that. He has never got above himself, and that's a wonderful thing. You certainly, you don't want player who comes in, does the basics very well, and then, because he gets a lot of roots goes round thinking he's backing back and wants to flick it up his trouser leg and over his shoulder before he clears it. He will never do that. And, of course, he's a Geordie coming home that was a fan, so it's a utopia for him. So he is going to run through brick walls, and that's exactly what he does.
0: One hope this Saturday is that we see Chris Wood get his first United oh. goal.
1: Yes, we've kept saying that, and in one of these days he will. Yes, because we can... A lot of fans will say at the moment, look, hey, we're not going to be critical of if, if, if Chris Wood because Newcastle are winning, or Newcastle are drawn or Newcastle are unbeaten in the league in 2022. And that's correct. We don't want to pick on a particular player and dissect them and say this is what's wrong, etc., etc. But there's absolutely no question that if you play as a centre-forward, goals will weigh heavily on your mind, because you're there to do that. You may be there to to hold the ball up and flick it on and be a target man, but you've got to weigh in with a percentage of goals as well, even if you play as a false nine, which is the last thing he is, because... uh,
0: That's what I was going to say. It it, it feels to a certain degree that he's kind of, um, what did they say, a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't quite fit I don't think Chris Wood in the way Newcastle play you know yes he's got to be doing a little bit more but I don't think he's getting
1: the service that benefits his game that's the whole thing that I've talked about and um, you know I object to us using that forget about Chris Wood is an excuse for any situation because we shouldn't build a team round one way that the center forward plays he's got to fit in with the newcastle united team i mean you know why should a very successful newcastle united team have to adopt a new style for is him? that
0: a mistake on the recruitment side. Then have they gone and got the wrong striker oh, to fit I mean, into that, that again, side? Again, I
1: don't want to be harsh on on Chris on here because I think he's a guy with a big heart. I think he's quite surprised that he got the opportunity for this move and quite surprised that we paid twenty five million. And I want to encourage the boy. But yes, yes, you've got to play. I mean, there was a feeling that if there was any plus for us at West Ham in losing San Maximum, and there wasn't many pluses because you don't want to lose him, it was then that you had two wingers, Fraser and Murphy, who would just one step and whip the ball in, one step and whip the ball in from both sides, and that might play into the strengths of Wood because he wants early deliveries where San Maximum will check, come back, say get close and go again, and therefore not only his defenders not knowing what's going to happen next but Wood doesn't he doesn't know when to go in come out go in and come out any centre forward so there was a feeling that that having Murphy one side and Fraser the other side would be playing to his strengths which is what we're talking about it didn't make significant difference to the firepower of Wood in that game I I we know he's never been um uh, prolific scorer in an, in the same ways we knew that of Joe Linton before he came when Joe Linton was supposedly an out and out centre forward, but when you've cost as much as that and you've come to a club with fifty two thousand crowd and really passionate within with a number nine history, etc. etc. You need your first goal. I think it's all a bit hard and from at the moment. But I wish him well because he is our centre-forward. He was bought. I do believe he believes in the cause. He wants it to happen. And um, whether we like it or not, and we might like it. He's our centre-forward f- until Callum Wilson's fit again. And that's still going to be a little while. So we want to be fully behind him and push him on. But there's no question that that a goal will help. Look at the guy that was bought by Burnley to be his replacement at half the price, twice the size. I think he makes Burn look like a, 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 a average height player. And and he got his his first goal the other day and it lifted him and um, you know they think they've got a good deal. They've bought a replacement at half the price and he's doing a good job for Burnley. But let's stick with Wood. Let's give him his support. We can't rip up the team plan because of Chris. Chris has got to uh, fit into the Newcastle team. We can't dismantle the team and fit it around Chris because, you know, it's better it's, the way it is. It's a hard
0: one. It is, but it's a hard one. I think that's what we've got to look at when he, you know, if he doesn't score this weekend and 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 whatever, and he continues a goal drought. I do think we have to look at it and say, well, actually. You know the team's not built to his strengths. The guy what
1: was it built to his strengths at
0: West Ham. It, well, what it was, but they, did, but they didn't get enough crosses in. I think the stat was I looked at the stat and I think it was something like um, uh, they only they only got seven crosses into the box and they, they just even though they had another winger who predominantly likes to get the ball in the box, I don't think he got any crosses into the box. It was uh, Emil Kraft, funny enough. I think by the, the
1: way, is, is is the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail here? Um, I really can't go down the route. Me personally, it's yeah, just yeah. a person I can't go down the route that in a. This is one of the first times I've seen an attractive Newcastle side you know, in it, of recent times
0: It is, but I think it's something that has to be discussed because I think as as much as you know, it's not like he's he's missed what one golden chance you'd say against Everton when he,
1: he well, had doesn't the ball. that worry? I used to say to Mark Macdonald used to say if I'm not missing chances, I'm not doing my job because. When you're not missing chances, but the, the reason you're not missing chances is you're not getting in there to miss them. But the, but, the, but is the service getting to him
0: to create those chances? I mean, really, when you look at it, how many balls into the box can you really say, well, he should have been there and he wasn't? There's, there was maybe one or two against West Ham, but I don't think it's a case he's not getting in there and, and, and missing them. He's not getting, you know... He's
1: getting in there unconvincingly. I, I don't think he's full of confidence. And I think that's, that's where the he, first goal comes. Yes, yeah. that's that's one of his biggest problems. But um, it's an interesting debate. I mean, I think the greater debate, uh, w- without having a puppet Chris whatsoever, is why on earth were both that sort of centre forward to fit into this sort of Well, that's the question, of team. isn't it? Yeah. The, the, that's what I can because understand.
0: I, I think the ironic thing is you have someone like Dwight Gale on the bench You can't get a look in for loving the money, and he's probably the better option in terms of the way Newcastle and I play the ball through the channel and you want someone to That's run him.
1: it. I mean, we could do a full programme yeah. on, on Dwight Gale because that is uh, quite staggering. But
0: anyway, enough of that. But that being said, you know, I am a fan of Chris Wood and, and we do hope that he gets his first goal. and it's Well, the first I'm,
1: of I'm, 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 without saying I'm a fan, i just so anxious for him to be successful because we need him to be. We want Newcastle to do and, well. And we want Newcastle to be. And he's it, whether we like it or not. So, you know, please, can he get his first goal down there? Um, And then we might have a different outlook on life. Before I ask you one of the most well-uttered
0: questions on this podcast, and you can probably guess what it is, I'm just going to mention here some football news from, from League Two. Bradford City have appointed Mark Hughes as manager. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Have they really? They have.
1: Good gracious me. Yes, yeah, very interesting one.
0: Our uh, former Newcastle head, Mark Douglas, It would be interesting to know his thoughts on that, because um, obviously he's a massive Bradford fan. That is a very interesting one. Not too long ago, that certain pundits were pushing Mark Hughes towards the direction of Newcastle United.
1: Um, uh, yeah, he's yesterday's man, though, <laughs> and uh, that's why he's taken that job. And um, you know, I mean, uh, I thought he might have hung on for the West Brom job. <laughs> that's another
0: that's another episode um, is the game against Brentford a must win we've managed to keep the question until right at the end of the episode but is it a must win given Burnley are suddenly finding their form and you can't Norwich every now and then we'll get we'll get a win you feel you have yeah. done under Dean Smith you know yeah. this isn't over by any stretch so is this game a must
1: win no uh, and the only reason I say that is because I'm sick of saying yes which is what we <laughs> did earlier in this season but I'm also saying it because I'm so pleased with the form of Newcastle United at the moment if we played a draw with them uh would stop them getting away from us because it's a point of peace and then we're home to Brighton who if Burnley can win 3-0 at Brighton we can beat them up here then we're still unbeaten going on from that so I don't I, I think it's a must not lose game, is, rather than a must win.
0: Is the expectation from you? Maybe expectation is the wrong word, but you you will be going down there, Newcastle fans. You'd expect Newcastle to go down there with only a win in, in mind. You, Absolutely you should be beating right. Brentford. Absolutely
1: right. And I do think they can get that win, but I don't think it's a must win. Like if we don't win, it's an unmitigated disaster. If we lost three 0 then you're going whoopsie daisy is this bubble burst a little bit etc I think it's a must not lose situation but I've got if we can continue unbeaten in 2022 with our next match at home to Brighton I think we'll be fine but it's a game I believe we can win and when you ask me as you're no doubt going to at the end what my forecast is down at Brentford it will be that Newcastle will win yeah. But it's not a must win. I agree. I think Newcastle will win
0: down at Brentford. I think they're just falling like a rock. You know, despite the words of Thomas Frank earlier in the week, you can you can see he doesn't look like the most confident man no. in the world. And, you know, for all, they started well it hasn't continued
1: and you know, Newcastle need the, to take advantage of that. The interesting thing I would think is that Brentford have got to hang their hat on somebody and on something to turn around a horrendous run and that will be the possible comebacks of Ericsson and Ivan Tony. Uh, Eriksen after the, and we all wish him well we don't wish him well, bless him for the 90 minutes on Saturday but we all wish him well after that because one of the great artists and one of the tragedies what happened to him in the Euros I think it's asking a lot if you're a Brentford fan to expect him after seven months out and what he went through he almost died on a football yeah. field to to change the result completely I would be more concerned at the possibility of Ivy, Ivan Tony doing that if he's fit again and going in because he's a handful at centre forward but the whole they will be dominated for the neutral by Ericsson in the the same way as the whole day at West Ham was dominated by Zuma. But we have got to get above that, put that to one side, get on with our own job, not worry about Zuma, not worry about Ericsson, and get on and get the result we want. It's
0: an amazing story. He's played a couple of behind-doors uh, games. I think he got an assist or a couple of He assists. got two assists yeah. in his last closed-door yeah, game. He's a brilliant player. And just to be back at this stage of top-level football after what happens... You know, oh, he, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, wonderful
1: emotional story and we're all with him. As I'm saying, I hope he'll forgive me if I'm with him from his next game and not this game. Um, but yes, a class, class player and... Some sort of comeback, and some sort of, and by Jove, can it still happen? And um, how confident will he be? Will his skills be there? Uh, Will he have the courage to to stand up to it? How will sides play against him? Perhaps a worried about his ability, but b worried about his health at the same time. It is it is a intriguing, intriguing situation, but wonderful to see him back on the football
0: Mm -hmm. field. And I'm going to plug Mark Douglas again, who's now at the Eye. Uh, he hasn't paid me for this, believe it or not. But there was a great story in the Eye that he did about Ericsson's medical and about him joining Brentford. And it was a really good piece. I'm sure if you you know, you know Google Christian Ericsson Brentford and then the Eye newspaper, will come up online. I do recommend read really good insight into how they they got the medical and you know it wasn't just normal medical as you might understand and there was lots of uh, ropes to jump through and, and what have you really good read so I do recommend catching up with that we've done the the the, the how the results going to go Newcastle
1: Newcastle get... to win yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I I really do think they they can uh, my head told me it would be a draw at west ham my heart told me that we could win it the head proved to be correct but it was reassuring we'd won three on the trot we didn't make it four on the trot yet the performance was as good as anything we had given so we've continued with three top guys out if we can get uh, some maximum back and to a certain extent Manquillo as well um, that's a step in the right direction and um, yes if we can win at Brentford and then come home against Brighton, then we needn't start looking at Burnley. They will be relatively irrelevant to us. Sold out
0: already, that Bre- uh, Brighton game last yep. week. It was sold out. Even before, it, I think, went on public sale and or members sale and there was like three tickets left. Unbelievable support and that'll be and, in of then
1: Desperate Dan against Brighton, of course, which yes. will be uh, a lot of fun, I would think.
0: I imagine it will be. And we, of course, have a preview episode looking towards that Brighton game when the time comes do head over to chronicle-live.co.uk where we'll keep it with all the latest Newcastle United news including Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday and also if you haven't yet filled in the love and hate league survey which I mentioned earlier in the week please do so I'll pop the link in to the comments in fact John I will get your opinion actually on so I don't know if you know this but on um, across the reach network they're asking your castle fans and, and every fan across the country to name their five teams they don't like that much aside you know and then five teams you know, they do like watching, aside from their, their own club. So we'll go with the five teams that you don't like so
1: much. Hi, you give me a, you've given me a lot of time to think about this I'll put this you right one. on the spot here, haven't I? Uh, and it, I mean, the five teams presumably have got to be in the same division as you No, no, were, can across, you? across the whole of the country. Oh, Sunderland, 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 Sunderland. I had a and feeling Sunderland. you might say that. Um, but yeah, uh, Sunderland would obviously be very, very much in there. Wimbledon would sound silly, but just because of my history being around longer now, I've always found them a sort of really negative uh, negative thing to to watch. Um, Just jumping around, one of the teams I'd love to watch is Liverpool. I've always had some affection for for Liverpool, thinking Scousers are something like us. Um, so Liverpool uh, would come into that. Man City would have to because of the, the way they play. The game. way they, yeah. they 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 play these days with wonderful, wonderful players. Uh, historically, Arsenal. Um, I'm not a Man United fan putting on this because they've had it too easy for too long and I'm sick of the pawn sandwich brigade etc so they would go in the minor side five teams to watch I would have to put uh, that I love I'd have to put Gates in there because I used to own Gates and it, it's a uh, love my life after newcastle since i was a school kid so they would be there as ludicrous as that may be and if there was any spare seats i'd put Sunderland in twice <laughs> there you go and like i say i'll put the link into
0: that uh, for that server into the podcast notes please do fill it out and we'll release the results It's going to be a nationwide results package um i think it's at the end of next month so do look out for that and please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast from and enjoy the rest of the week